Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta. Your day. Today, Masachet Yevamot, Daf, page 75. We are still talking about verses, and we're talking about how the one is derived from the other. In this case, at the top of the Daf, the Gemara asks, how do we get, not how do we get, I'm sorry, why do we need all the, with regard to Truma? Utlata, Karai, Batruma, Lamali. Why do I need these three verses to teach me about Truma? And the Gemara says, no, you need all of them. Why? De'i may ad asher yitar. That's from the, from there's a verse in Leviticus 22. He will not eat, you know, from kachim, whatever, from holy things, from all of these things, until he will be pure, right? Ad, uh, um, ad asher yitar. Lo haviyadana b'mai. If that's all we had, then we would not know how you get to be pure. Katav Rachmana uva Hashemish vitaher, and when the Torah says, and then the sun sets, and he will be pure, right? Then that's in it's again Vayikra twenty two. A few psukim later, the sun sets and he will be pure, and then afterwards, right? Then he could eat. But if so, then at sunset to be able to eat. Meaning each of these teaches something else. Um, and had Vayikatav Rachmana uva Hashemish. If it only said sunset. Then I would only learn that one who is impure but does not require any kapara, any atonement. So the Gemara says, well, the verse, this is actually elsewhere in Vayikra, um, in chapter 12, right? It says, you, the Gemara says, if you only had the I'm sorry, if you, how do you understand that the person needs atonement, to, that you have to know that he has to bring something, he has to do something to achieve that atonement in order to then have the sunset and achieve purity? So the Torah says, Ad malot, until the completion, until the days of the purification are completed. Meaning, and then, only then, would the truma um, be, be allowed, right? Meaning, after the days of purification, purification are completed and that person does not have to wait until bringing the kapara offering right so admalot until this time is finished that then is considered sufficient um, without having to have the extra activity of atonement the ikitav rahmana admalot if it had just said admalot until the time is completed havaminu afilu belot vila then i might think we might think that you could the, the time passing is sufficient to bring about purification. You would not need the act of dunking in a mikvah. Tvila, katav rachmana, ad asher yitar. And that's why we've got that first verse, right? The first one that, we, that the Gemara brings here, say, until he will be pure, meaning purification that comes through um, dunking in a mikvah. So we have these three verses, and each one of them contributes to the picture, I guess, of what it means to um, to go through the purification process with or without the need for kapara until you're then allowed, then you're, pardon me, then you're again going to be allowed to eat from truma. Um, all of which, um, you know, you, I myself have felt like we've been talking an awful lot about truma. The Gemara says basically, yes, we have been talking a lot about truma, but the reason is that without all of these component parts that have been already analyzed on the previous topic and so on, then we would not know um everything that we need to know in order to um, in order to achieve the purification that will allow the eating from truma. 
So, I, you know, again, this all has to do with biblical interpretation of text. Um, I don't know. I can't figure out like why they're so they're very stuck on this thing with the with the be, with Truma and becoming Tama and becoming Tahor. I mean, there's been a lot of Dafin devoted to this, and I can't figure out if it's because it was confusing to them or they just were unsure in practice how it took place. Like I don't. I just feel like there's been a lot of space devoted to this particular topic. I my take is that. And so a little bit what I said yesterday is that um, I think it was very important and that by talking about it that much more, they, they are keeping it alive as something that's very important, meaning otherwise it's so easy to let it fall by the wayside as so many of us have, right? Like if you look at the Shulchan Aruch, right? The Shulchan Aruch, Shulchan Aruch, whatever, it talks about daily life and it talks about marital issues and it, talk, meaning it talks about um, damages, all kinds of civil law, but it doesn't talk about things that require a beta mikdash. And if that was all we were going to focus on, then we would be missing out on, you know, a huge chunk of what was at one point, you know, a very important component of halacha. Right. And I think that always gets to like, if you actually look at the six, you know, uh, books or, you know, uh, large books of Mishnah, right? The Shusha Sidre Mishnah. I mean, three of them essentially deal with two of them deal with laws that we really don't practice, Kajim and Tauros. And even Zrayim, yes, if you live in Israel today, we do some of that stuff, all the agricultural law, but it's kind of amazing that almost like half of it is not halachot around which, like if I were to say, like, what does it mean to be a practicing Jew or how do I define myself as a practicing Jew? It wouldn't really fall underneath those three sadarn, which I always, which always blows my mind. And I also think is a reason why it's important to learn Mishnah so that we keep that halacha alive. Okay, I'm going to move on now. So the rest of the daf basically wants to get into a very lengthy discussion about the wounded and crushed testicles, right? And, uh, you know, Ezehu Pitsua, the Mishnah, this is the bottom of um, of Amud Aleph, right? Which talks about who's one who's considered to have wounded or crushed testicles, right? And Tanu Rabbanan, so they're going to quote a price here, Ezehu Pitsua Daka, right? Who is considered one who's wounded or crushed testicles? Anyone whose testicles were wounded, even if it's only one of them, and even if they were um, only punctured, even if they were dissolved, um, you know, uh, I guess it means that they like shrinked in size or something happened to the testicle in the scrotum itself, even if a small part of them is missing. Amar Rabbi Shmuel ben Nosha, Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka. So Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka, said, "Shemati mi pichachamim bekerem biyavna." So I heard this from the sages in Kerem biyavna. Kol she'eno lo ela beitzachad. Whoever only has one testicle, eno ela sris chama, is only a sris chama, right? So a sris is, you know, sort of the word we use uh, for a eunuch, but here what it means is somebody who's sterile. Uh, as a result of, of fever, okay? So in other words, um, it, it, it could mean somebody who's sterile from birth, uh, uh, that, um, that uh, so some, co- some commentators explain that it means that everything is actually intact, um, but they're, they're, they don't have sort of the required heat for fertility, or it could mean somebody who became sterile by an act of heaven through, through illness or something like that. Um, so it, it, it's not, you know, like through something, some kind of act that happened to that person. Um, and so then he goes on uh, to say, because share, and he's actually fit, he can get married, right? If he's a Sri Shama, 
he's allowed to get married. So what's interesting here is, is that, um, you know, obviously, and I think we can understand why the Chachamim are very interested in this topic, and there's going to be a lot of defining all the types of different injuries that can happen uh, to uh, testicles. And then the next stop, which I'm not going to read, uh, is going to get into a lot of discussion about all the different ways that the actual penis itself could be dismembered and all the different ways that it could be cut. Um, you know, it's, it's a particular focus. Um, so, um, but I think what they're a little bit bothered by here is, is that I think there's a notion that sort of like things happen, like people are born with birth defects or things happen that is really out of their control. And are we really going to say a person like that is not allowed to get married at all or, or can't sort of be part of uh, the congregation at all? Now, I think the sort of maybe patriarchal misogynistic pieces is that we have that category of woman that's called an ilunit, right, who we know somehow is uh, not fertile. Um, there seems to be a lot of bending backwards to, I think, at least make exception for men. Maybe we don't see that as much for women. So the Gemara then wants to ask, what's the meaning of Rabbi Yishmael? Um, right? So can you say that, you know, someone with only one testicle is basically a sris chama? Ela rehu sris chama b'kasher. Rather, Rabbi Ishmael is trying to say he's like a sris chama, that somebody with one testicle is in the same category as a sris chama. A sris chama is somebody who's allowed to marry. And so the, somebody with one testicle is as well. So the Gemara wants to further uh, question now about somebody's testicle is punctured. The nikeb lo mulid, right? But isn't somebody whose testicle punctured, they can't have children. Bahalahu gavar deselik ladilqa, right? There was a man who once climbed a palm tree the uh, the uh, the and and what happened to him uh he uh his a thorn punctured his testicles um the and semen sort of like uh or some type of pus oozed out of him but and he still was able to have children Rab. so Shmuel sent this case to Rab, but Amar Rab said to him save you need to go check out where his children came from. In other words, Reb is saying, I don't believe that his wife actually became pregnant by him. Somebody else had to have fathered those children. And then they go on to say, I'm a Rabbi Yehuda, I'm a Shmuel. Rabbi Yehuda sent the name of Shmuel. Somebody whose testicles were wounded or crushed through an act of heaven, right? Also can marry into the congregation, right? So what would this mean? So, you know, the, the commentators explain that instead of it being that somebody who gets sick later on in life, this is somebody who is born with something like some type of congenital defect. Um, and somebody who's born with that, they actually uh, are allowed to, to marry. Um, and then Amar Rava, Rava says, Dahainu, and so he's going to do a very close read of a Pasuk in Devarim chapter 23, verse 2, that says, Hainu Dekrainan, right? This is the Pasuk we learned from. Pitsu'ah. That's why it says one who is wounded below Karina and Hapatsua, one who is wounded, right? So in other words, it's not Hapatsua, the one who is wounded. In other words, Hapatsua would be somebody who was uh, 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 was born with it, meaning they always were, it's from birth. But Pitsu'ah seems to imply it in somebody who acquires it, it happens later on. And so somebody who's who it always was from birth, we're not going to disqualify them. Um and um, and then we have a different reading for this. The Tana Tana taught Nebraisa Neamar Lo Yavo Pitsua, right? So we could right. It says 
one who is wounded cannot enter the congregation, right? Meaning they can't get married. The lo netmar, lo yavo, mamzer. And it says in the next one, a mamzer may not enter the congregation. So it's interesting that you have these two psukim next to each other in Devarim, right? One is in verse two, chapter 23, one's verse, verse two, one is verse uh, three. Ma just as with a mamzer, it comes through a human action, right? In other words, it, it's the result of, uh, an illicit sexual relationship, right? Adam, right? So too, this has to be through an act of man. It's not through an act of God. It's not through an act of, uh, uh, you know, it's not through something that happened um, from birth. And then finally, Rav says, Amar Rava, Patsua B'Kulan, right? This wounded applies to all, reprodu- all reproductive organs. Dach uh, B'Kulan, crushed, applies to all reproductive or- organs, and severed also applies to all reproductive uh, organs. So these are all listed in the Psukim. Patsua Bikulan, right? Hagid, whether it's the actual shaft itself that's wounded or the testicles, whether the cords were wounded, right? Sorry, that's all of it. right? Which is a crushed applies to everything, whether the member was, you know, the shaft was crushed, whether the testicles were crushed, whether the testicle cords were crushed. Right, severed is also whether it's the shaft, whether it's the testicles, and whether the cords were actually severed. And the rest of the top is going to get into some other very specifics uh, about, you know, different ways that something could be actually severed. So it's a pretty graphic DAF, um, but I appreciate that they sort of want to land on a place that if it's a congenital anomaly, if it's something from birth, they don't feel it's fair to say that, you know, one cannot uh, marry or enter the congregation. I think the piece of it that bothers me is we don't see the same bending over backwards for a woman who's an alyonit, and like presumably it also is from birth. It's just the way that she was born. And there we see, you know, after 10 years, her husband is actually allowed to uh, to divorce her. I do wonder if part of the difference is, is that like obviously sort of a woman's reproductive organs are inside versus a man's are sort of outside. And does that make some sort of a difference? But I'm also- I think they're really- my sense is that they're really different. An ilonite seems to be a hormonal issue more than anything else, right? As opposed to a, a genitalia, you know, deformation or something like that, right? In terms of there's no way of knowing who's going to be an ilonite until she doesn't hit puberty. No, but I think even an ilonite can have puberty and you just don't know. Because remember, the ilonite can be married for 10 years. Like it, it's she, I, I, if it was that, just saying, don't look like puberty. The Gemara doesn't say that. It's like she can look like a woman, but it's something internal. And again, some of this is, I think, just not understanding what was actually inside and how all of this actually worked. Maybe I always understood an ilonite to to. There's something that's you know some nowadays. I imagine we would give some kind of hormonal hormonal treatment, and that would be that, right? As opposed to saying that there's there's um. And a known issue, potentially from, you know, congenitally or because of injury, where you can see that, you know, they could determine it pretty quickly that somebody now has issues in fathering children, let's say, as compared to the girl who at birth, you would never know what's going to happen 
when she grows up as a I'm sure there are congenital issues for girls as well, but I didn't think that that was, I, I may be wrong here. I just did, never thought that was the Ilonite status, meaning Ilonite doesn't mean barren, right? It means it's something about maturity that she doesn't yes. ever really have the signs of maturity. Yes, even if she, but I, but again, I just think it's interesting, you know, they, they, there's a difference with how they handle the idea that a man is born that way versus a woman is born that way. That's all the point that I'm making. And I guess in the general context of Yavamos, it's striking to me, but I also hear is what there you're a woman who would be born that way. Meaning, is there any way that you could know that a girl who has at, at birth is going to grow up to be an island? No, that's exactly my point is that I think, but, but the point is, is that a man who's born with a congenital anomaly, which could lead to infertility, doesn't prevent that person from marrying. Right. In other words, you know that there's a high suspicion that they could be infertile. It's not a fertility question. That's what's interesting to me. They don't question his fertility at some point. Okay, I, I I hear that there's a, a bigger discussion to be had here. I, I think that I would want to like delve more into the. Yeah, I'm raising the question. We don't. It's it's adapting. What, it's, what like, the real, it's a question that. What the range of Yeah, except that. Right. It's. I, yeah, it's just a question that Dapioni's right. not going to let me answer. I'm just raising the question, and I agree. I think it requires a much more deeper dive into all of the all of the different categories. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us, and all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Eat Michelle Barber for hosting on the Hodgman website. You thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.